This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Here at Saturday Sunday, we continue to recap all things from the 2022 NFL Draft. And we are really excited tonight to be joined by one of the best in the business. It is Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan and so many other great places he provides his great content. Emery, welcome back to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. It has been way too long since we had the ability to get you on here. Now, I appreciate you guys bringing me on, man. It's It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. So tonight I thought we, I love listening to you break down some of the under the radar guys, the small school guys, and I feel like nobody champions for them more to give them their due and give them their shot than you. So we thought it would be a great time to bring you on to kind of let our listeners know who are the top UDFA from the offensive skill positions that they really should be keeping an eye on when training camps open up, you know, in probably about five or six weeks uh, from now. So let's just jump right into it. Start the running back position. A couple of guys that, you know, I'll give you a list of intriguing guys that I see, and maybe you pick out a couple that are, are your favorite. Uh, Abram Smith went to the New Orleans Saints. Kennedy Brooks to the Eagles. Jay Sean Corbin to the Giants. Jerrion Ely to Kansas City. Sincere McCormick to Las Vegas, uh, and Devontae Price went to the Indianapolis Colts. From that group, is there a couple that really stand out that you're really intrigued about the landing spot, the talent, the opportunity, and maybe these guys really get an opportunity to make some noise in training camp and then hopefully down the line in the season or, or even next year? You know, Jay Sean Corbin sticks out initially because he's someone that, you know, he was my number one running back going into the draft class. And Big fan of what he brings to the table. He had a really good week at the East West Shrine Bowl. I was shocked to see him go undrafted, but I'm pretty sure it's probably medical. But his situation with New York uh, yields itself to him being able to make the team uh, because I feel like he can buy for that number two job behind Saquon Barkley. They bring in Matt Breida. We know he tends to be a little bit banged up, so you don't know how often you know he's going to be out there for his services. Uh, But if that's the case, a guy like Corbin has an inside track to really seize control of that role, especially considering he has value as a kickoff and also punt returner. Uh, More so as a kickoff returner, I know during minicamp and OTA, while I was out there, he was getting reps at at punt returner as well, just getting familiar with catching punts. But he is able to to return kickoffs. But I feel like him as a RB2 is a great situation for him, especially when you think about his skill set and how it's paired up with Saquon Barkley's skill set. So if Barkley needs a breather, you don't really lose any significant you know, uh, ability from a pass-catching perspective, from an elusiveness perspective with Corbin out there on the field. So I think that's a good fit for him. And the sincere McCormick fit uh, in Vegas is intriguing because Vegas also drafted Zamir White, and we know they have Josh Jacobs already on the roster. We know they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option, so for me, you know, with Zamir White being a drafted guy, I see him being the leadoff back, in my opinion. So someone like Sincere McCormick, who also should have been drafted, in my opinion, you talk about two years ago, he uh, led the nation in rushing. So I find that fit intriguing because, you know, as an undrafted free agent, you can go pick your spot. I, I'm interested to see why he chose that spot. So we'll just have to see it play out, uh, you know, during you know the preseason. Yeah, I mean, those are two great things. Corbin and McCormick are guys. I was right there with you. I, I was surprised that they weren't day three. 
picks for teams in the draft, but they got to kind of pick and choose their spots. And, and I think that could end up rewarding them in the long run based on what else is on the depth chart there. Uh, I know I heard heard you mention that you were a fan of Jerry on Ely. I was a really intrigued by him, his pass catching ability. Do you see a scenario where Clyde Edwards Hilaire really hasn't lived up to the, the hype of obviously being that first round pick? The Chiefs a couple of years ago is the depth chart is kind of a little wide open there. I mean, I know they they just brought back, uh, you know, they let some of their running backs go. They brought back some others. They have some different pieces there. They invested one, you know, uh, you know, late in day three. But do you, do you think Ely in that Andy Reid scheme with Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, do you see a way that he can maybe push his way into the mix, even if he starts out maybe on the practice squad and maybe down the line a little bit? It's going to be tough because, you know, that's a situation where, you have to look at the guys in front of him. You have to look at how often they use the tailbacks. And unfortunately, I think that's just a situation where if he can't make an impact as a returner, and they already have some excellent returners on the roster already. Uh, so it's going to be tough for him. I see him more along the lines of going the, the Puka Williams route where, you know, he may end up being on a practice squad who who's now with the Bengals on their practice squad. Um, and hoping to get on the 53 this season I, I see the same path for Ely, and Ely is someone that, you know, I really like coming out of high school, was very talented at Ole Miss, and just I just think the situation, sort of like how it is, I, I just talked about with McCormick, his situation just kind of is a little bit questionable, so it's gonna his, he has his work cut out for him, put it that way. Yeah, that you know, it's definitely something there with Kansas City trying to work that way up the depth chart we know could be a little bit of a challenge for Ely. Anybody else from either that group that I mentioned or maybe somebody that I didn't mention from that group of running backs that you're kind of really keeping a close eye on, at, you know, once training camps open up that, that maybe I didn't mention from the list of running backs I got? Do you have another one uh, or somebody else maybe that I did mention that you want to expand upon? No, I think those were the, the guys, you know, to be honest, when you think about undrafted, I think those initially stood out. Uh, everyone else that, that you know, they, they were drafted. Uh, to teams that, you know, kind of make sense for them. Uh, but when you talk about undrafted guys, I think those were the ones that that kind of really stuck out to me, uh, the McCormicks and, and uh, the J. Sean Corbins. Yeah, and, and, and they seem interesting because there are some openings there in those. So we'll be following them closely, obviously, when training camps hit and then during the season, right? If, if Saquon Barkley goes down again, Giants don't really have a guy who could maybe be a guy who can carry a decent workload. Corbin could maybe step in and help in that regards. Even Kennedy Brooks in Philadelphia, you know, if Miles Sanders was to go down, you know, what they have there in Scott and Kent Gainwell, intriguing pieces, but not really guys that might be the, that more traditional early down work. So some of these UDFA guys, might really get thrust into the mix sooner than, than maybe people think uh, because of that lack of draft capital, but that might not end up mattering in the long run. So let's kind of transition this over to some wide receiver talk. The guys that kind of stood out from, from my end when I was putting this list together, right at the top was Makai Polk to Baltimore, Kevin Austin to Jacksonville, Isaiah Weston to Cleveland, Dontario Drummond to Dallas, and Josh Johnson to Detroit. Is there a couple of those that you kind of want to expand upon that that you're intrigued with the fit, the talent, the landing spot, the whole kind of package that you think they could surprise as a UDFA? Yeah, Polk in Baltimore and Weston in, in Cleveland were, are two uh, good ones. Uh, Weston is someone that, you know, had a really strong week at the NFL PA game. Every time you look up, he was making a big time play going deep down the field. And also, <coughs> also Polk. Is um you know he was a leading receiver in the SEC was outstanding there at Mississippi State 
Um, so going to Baltimore is, you know, wide open opportunity for him uh, to make an impact, make a dent. Surprised that both guys went undrafted, more so Weston because of his athleticism and how he tested, and Polk because of the productivity in the SEC in a situation where there were a lot of good defenses uh, in the SEC, and he just racked up reception. So surprised that both guys are, went, went undrafted, but they went to great places. Um, I would also probably toss out a, a you know, Deshaun Dixon of New Orleans out of Nichols, fantastic wide receiver, another good one that had a strong NFL PA week, um, has a great opportunity there. He's kind of fitting the mold of what they now have on the roster, guys that can go get the football deep down the field. I think he puts someone like Traquan Smith right there in a, in a crosshairs. And you also look at Lance McCutcheon from the Rams, um, another one that was out there in NFL PA game just having a field day. And he's another one of these height, weight, speed guys that, that I thought should have gotten drafted um, and, and goes to a good spot, too. We know the Rams has have recently shown they'd give undrafted guys an opportunity. J.J. Koski out of Cal Poly is still there thriving on the roster. Um, and one last name I'll toss out there that just popped in my head is Jaquez Ezzard, the wide receiver out of Sam Houston, who's now with Washington. So he's another one that can impact the game as a returner a kickoff or punt returner, so he has it in there, but also is a fantastic receiver and, and one that looks to score the ball with with uh, when he has it in his hands. Yeah, and I think the, the common theme of all those receivers you just talked about is there are openings in the depth chart on just about all the places that you just mentioned. And we know in the NFL now you need four or five functioning wide receivers, maybe even more than that, the way injuries kind of, you know, kind of happen throughout the training camp in the NFL season. But I mean, even if you start with what we talked about, Makai Polk, right? They they traded away Marquise Brown. Yeah, they have Rashad Bateman, but there's a lot of open targets to go around there. You know, when you talk about Isaiah Weston, yeah, Amari Cooper's kind of locked in as their wide receiver one. But I mean, there's a lot of people thinking David Bell could – could be their number two wide receiver. So a, a guy like Weston might get an opportunity. And just down the line, you talk about Dixon in New Orleans and all and, and a bunch of these other guys where there's opportunity there. It's not like the wide receivers on the depth chart one through five or one through six are guys that we know are going to make the roster be, you know, guys that are clearly ahead of the guys. These teams have their number ones or number twos but after that it kind of opens up the door for some of these guys to to really make a name for themselves so it's going to be kind of fun to watch some of these diamonds in the rough kind of kind of break through if given that opportunity which we we know these these guys with the udfa they're fighting a little bit of an uphill battle right it's just a a little bit of the nature of the beast where they they really don't have that leash that unfortunately the first rounders or the day two type guys are awarded, but if they seize that opportunity that's out there for them, these guys can really uh, make a name for themselves and, and find their way moving up the depth chart. We see it constantly, guys who are UDFAs or seventh-round guys like kind of work their way up there. So it's always fun to kind of watch that. If we take this over to some tight ends to talk about, a couple guys here I wanted to pick your brain on that I, I thought was maybe going to get drafted on day three. One of them, obviously a bigger name in Jalen Widemeyer, who ended up with the Bills, uh, but there was also Garrett Prince, who went to Jacksonville, uh, Amani Rogers, who went to the Redskins, Derek Deese Jr., who went to uh, the Lions, and Austin Allen, uh, you know, who went to the Giants. Any thoughts on a couple of those tight ends that, you know, either maybe you were surprised they weren't drafted and then, you know, liking the potential landing spots where they ended up? You know, Watermeyer is someone that immediately jumps out. You know, I know people focus on his testing, but the production on the field was actually really good. 
Um, this was someone that people thought was going to go maybe in the first round or at least at worst the second round. But he goes to Buffalo, um, gives him another stretch vertical option at, at tight end. You know, he's going to have to work on his blocking, his inline blocking ability. But as a flex tight end, as a big wide receiver, he can definitely fit that mold right there. Prince is another one that I was impressed with significantly uh, at the Shrine game. Had a really good week there. Um, someone that, that has a lot of Travis Kelsey within his game. A very fluid route runner can get open and does a great job there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he is able to crack the, the lineup in Jacksonville. I know that's a wide open position, and, and that's a really good opportunity for him. But those were, were two guys. And you bring up Austin Allen, you know, being out there at Giants practice, you see size across the board at tight end. And we know that's going to be a position where um, they're going to have a significant impact on the game. Allen is one. Andre Miller is a converted wide receiver who they brought in. Uh, out of the University of Maine. Uh, we know they want to use a lot of tight ends, and Allen, you know, has a good opportunity to make that team. Um, I know he was dealing with a little bit, you know, of an injury out there in um, minicamp. Uh, so training camp is going to be huge for him. Uh, he's a big target. He's 6'8", and there's another one of these NFL PA guys that had a really good week. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, anyone who follows the Giants closely knows that that tight end position is wide open for the taking, right? They brought in on one cheap one-year veteran min deals, uh, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones and Jordan Aikens. They drafted Daniel Bellinger in round four. But the opportunity is there for for somebody to kind of seize either a backup role early on or down the line a starting role. So also now I, I know is a name that, you know, up here in New York, you know, is definitely – been generating a little bit of a buzz of a, a guy that you know has a strong you know possibility to make the roster and then kind of see what happens from there you know and, and you mentioned a couple times today that it sounds like the nfl pa bowl is it's kind of produced a lot of guys that that you're kind of intrigued with and maybe we're a little bit surprised that they went undrafted, you know, am I kind of sensing that correctly that, that the NFLPA bowl had some intriguing talents that you kind of liked a lot. Yeah, it is. I think the main reason why we saw that is due to the fact that this was a, you know, an enlarged draft class. You talk about, you know, the COVID year, red shirt seniors, regular seniors, all of that in this class, you know, so I put out a draft guide this year that had over a thousand individual scouting reports. So, that tells you how many prospects were in this class. And so when you see that happen, you see guys that should have gone, you know, late day two or on day three, pushed down to the NFL PA game. So all of these all-star games were really stacked with talent. And I think we just had a unique case of, you know, those super seniors, the, the, the extra year COVID seniors and the regular seniors all coming out at the same time. Yeah. It makes, it makes a lot of sense that, it was that you know extended or expanded draft class based on people going back, and and I think we're seeing that. I feel like the UDFA class was stronger. I feel like some of the sixth and seventh round picks were stronger than years past, and it'll be interesting to kind of see if we kind of get more functional, more role players deeper from day three and from the UDFA ranks that kind of maybe you know slid through the cracks a little bit, so to speak, uh, because it was such that wider you know in terms of the pool that, that the NFL was pulling from. Uh, let's transition to end the night with a little bit of a quarterback talk. The, the couple guys that I had written down were obviously Carson Strong ends up with the Eagles, uh, Jack Cohn to the Colts. Those are two guys that I think a lot of people thought they might get drafted. And then also EJ Perry to Jacksonville. Any thoughts on either Strong, Cohn, or Perry, or just kind of open it up 
you know, maybe even some other under the radar quarterbacks that you maybe had a shot to get drafted. They didn't, but you didn't have a shot to maybe stick at the NFL level. Well, it's fascinating with the quarterback conversation. Um, when you think about guys that went undrafted, uh, that that also are are still looking for opportunities, which is why it's going to be fascinating to watch how the rest of the preseason plays out. If guys like Caleb Ellaby get on get on a roster, or an Aquil Glass, or Levi Lewis, or do these guys kind of just you know sit tight and wait for the XFL and and go that route, you know? So. I think that's probably what we'll see. Uh, we know teams tend to t- tend to keep two quarterbacks, and you know they they could bring on a veteran or whatnot to to have on a practice squad, or you know uh, they seem they seem to find guys that they want on you know on these on a waiver wire to to put out there. But you know, so the undrafted quarterback class is is a unique one this year because it wasn't really anyone. Uh, maybe uh, Cole Kelly. You know, would be a guy to keep an eye on out of uh, southeastern Louisiana uh, with the Washington Commanders, who, who again, another one that, that was able to make a lot of money during the all-star game circuit. Won the MVP at the NFL PA game. He was, you know, he won the Harlan. He won, the, I'm sorry, the FCS uh, Player of the Year Award, the uh, Walter Payton Award last year. Probably could have won it again this year. So you think about someone that you, you talk about, and FCS equivalent to the Heisman Trophy, you know, he's 6'7", 250. Yeah, he's going to compete with Sam Howell. He's going to compete with, you know, Carson Wentz. But I think he has an opportunity to, if not make the 53 as a third quarterback, which seems unlikely uh, because, it, you know, teams only tend to keep two. Um, he also compete with Taylor Heineke as well. So I do see him being on that practice squad for the commanders, but he's another one that um, I thought was going to get drafted because he definitely has a rocket arm. You go back and watch him with Southeast Louisiana, he just really uh, just got better over his two seasons down there in Hammond. Yeah, Kelly's an intriguing name that should have been on my list at Parade because he's a guy that I know Skylar Thompson had some people intrigued with him. I thought Cole Kelly was right there with him as, as those guys that could have been a developmental, you know, day free quarterback prospect. And listen, Washington's interesting because, you know, they they made the bold move for Carson Wentz. I feel like that might his time maybe has passed. Like I feel like people are keep buying in and, and he hasn't lived up to once upon a time what he was. And I think if he falters, it, it's kind of wide open there, right? Tim Howell doesn't have a lot of draft capital around five pick, you know, so there could be an opportunity for, for a guy to kind of emerge in that quarterback room down the line. So I think Cole Kelly's an intriguing guy that the people should have on their radar. And Marie, this was absolutely fantastic i love listening to you talk about some of these under the radar udfa prospects and just kind of give our listeners here at saturday sunday some names to really be following closely in training camp when you hear about them on if they don't make the the 53 practice squads uh maybe down the line we, we, we these guys get a chance due to injuries or just their play you know from practice uh it's always fun to kind of you know not only talk about the early guys and the day free guys but the draft is so much wider than that. There's so many names and you just talked about a draft guide that you did, you know, a thousand players. Well, it was only 262 picks or whatever this year. So that just tells you the amount of other talented players that didn't hear their name called, you know, that could potentially seize the moment that, you know, when they're given the chance, uh, please, I know you're working on lots of different things. Uh, I'm sure most of our listeners are following you, but please let our listeners know where they can follow you. Uh, 
share your Twitter handle, your website, anything else you're working on uh, that you kind of want to, you know, just let my audience know about. That would be greatly appreciated. And again, just thank you so much for coming on tonight. Well, I, I appreciate you for having me. And they can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, subscribe on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash football game plan. Uh, they can still pick up the draft guide. Again, over 1,000 individual scouting reports. The largest draft guide in draft guide history. That's at footballgameplan.com slash 2022 draft guide. And check out every Saturday and Sunday. Well, this is the second to last episode of Football Game Plan's USFL kickoff show on Next Level Sports, which is channel 623 on DirecTV, 597 on Fios. We're on TV and others as well. Just check your local cable provider for channel listings. And we have a lot of good content coming uh, down the pike. You can also see me on uh, CBS Sports HQ as well. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you're following Emery. Make sure you're checking out all his great content, all his great work that he's providing in a variety of ways uh, that you can find him and all his great work. So on behalf of Emery, on behalf of myself and our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, Thank you for joining us for tonight, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.